Well, good morning out there. Welcome to September 6, 2023 edition of Mornings with Box 2 Radio on the Box 2 Radio Network. What a day, what a glorious day it is to be alive in the kingdom of God. This is going to be a great day. We're going to see the glory of God um, come in a mighty way. Life's transformed, life's impacted. Why do I say that? Because every day when the body of Christ is ready to receive and to pour out, God will always be faithful to do so. Amen. Well, we are going to be in our third part of um, spiritual warfare and deliverance and all that kind of stuff tonight here at Bethel Fellowship. Um, we're not going to just isolate it into one thing because it's, the whole thing is a big subject and a big topic, and we've been hitting hard on it, and we're not even, um, we're just scratching the surface. So I don't know how many parts this thing's going to end up being, but... <laughs> I was wondering if you were, because uh, I mean, you've been diving deep into it. If you were going to take a break this week or do no, part three, but I'm no. I'm excited. Oh, uh, we're going to keep going. Even next week, we'll keep going unless the Lord has something else. Um, unless he comes back. Yeah, unless he has something else for us <laughs> next. Lord willing, we're going to do it. We'll keep, we'll keep diving forward because not all of it, you know, people think of spiritual warfare and deliverance and all that just to come out. And there are come out moments, but there are also let go moments and there's other things to deliverance is such a big, big topic. And, um, and there's so many things to talk about within deliverance. It's not always deliverance in itself is not just getting demons cast out. There's a lot of aspects of deliverance and there's a lot of things happening before deliverance, after deliverance, during deliverance, but it's also bigger than just deliverance. We're talking spiritual warfare in general pulling down strong coats, casting down imaginations, stuff like that. Um, so there's a whole lot of things we're going to get into. We're going to keep diving deep into it, not so that we can celebrate the enemy, but that we can celebrate the Father and his power to set the captives free and deliver the body of Christ. And those who are oppressed and those who are broken and those being tormented can finally find freedom. And that should be all the heartbeat. We, we love to talk about this, not because of what the power or the authority um but because of love and the fact that we love the people and that we we love for people to be set free so we're just excited we want to invite you out if you have nowhere to go tonight come out and be a part of the the study um it's it's an it's been a good couple last couple of Wednesdays, and so we're excited for um, night three and then um of course, I know Hannah's gonna get into the announcements here in a minute, but I mean, we are stirred about this coming Saturday, Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday. Uh, we had prayer last night here, and man, it was such just a powerful time of prayer, powerful time of the presence of God, and it was the Spirit of God was thick in there. Um, just you, you walked in there, and you honestly, um, you know, a lot of times for prayer meetings, you're talking and you're fellowshipping and stuff like that, and even after, but the presence of God was so surreal in there and so supernatural and so heavy that we just walked in and you couldn't say anything it, it was never a chatty moment it was just thick and heavy and um it was just an amazing uh, i think i ended up being there for about an hour and a half or so just praying and it was just um heavy and man it was just god was on the move and so it's just a um a foreshadowing of, I believe, what's going to happen this Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday night coming up, and you do not want to miss it. Um, grab your kids, grab your kids' kids, grab your grand grandkids, grab your great grandkids, grab your dog, cat. At this point, I don't know. Um, just come on out, and actually, please don't grab your dog and cat. Um, 
<laughs> please don't. Um, all right, but no, it is. I mean, we are, we are, there's an anticipation rising. There's an expectation arising. And we just want to be a willing vessel that says yes to souls being saved, to lives being transformed, for people to be awakened. Um, and I, I know it's a harvest crusade and we're going after the lost, but there's a lot of, there's a lot of sleeping saints. It's about to be woke up, I believe. Amen. And, um, and so I don't know. I, I feel like in my life, um, and this ain't a prideful, this is a hum. actually it's probably even a smack in the face to an extent. I feel as live, I feel as alive as I've ever felt in the spirit. Like it is, um, it is just what's, what's happening in our hearts and what's happening in lives right now is, um, there's such an expectation and there's such a pursuit and there's such a hunger. And, um, I just know that God's going to show up, show off this coming weekend and, um, moving into the next week. And we're just, we're going to see the glory of God. We're going to see as the word says, the goodness of God in the land of the living. And, um, I'm stoked. I don't know if that's a word we say anymore, but yeah, I'm stoking the fire. Yeah. That fire's being stoked. And so, all right, Hannah, before I start to cry, cause I cry all the time, every time I talk now, um, I'm going to let you take off on the announcements <laughs> and the scripture and stuff like that. Hey, there's nothing wrong with crying. If you're no, I, I love it. Cause Nolan, <laughs> after that tent meeting, you know, the Lord was just moving on him and he was weeping and he didn't know why he's like, I've just had so much joy. But then I think he started to reflect back on it afterwards. Cause he wrote with me and Ethan and he started telling us just the, his experience. And he's like, I, I just, I had chills all over my body and I just, I felt the Lord and he was just so excited about it. And he said something like, I think it was this one song when I started to cry. I want to cry again like that. <laughs> but, you know, it, from his perspective, like yep. he's just trying to remember what it was like. But he was like, I want to cry again like that. And that's just not normal for a kid to just say, you know, but it's because he felt the Holy Spirit. So mm-hmm. there is something about the weeping. And I don't know. That was just so sweet and, and it's powerful. Um, okay, so we have we don't have as many announcements on here right now, but um, if you have some other announcements, um, you, can, you can go ahead and get them in, and we can continue to add to the list. But um, the first one that I have here is the Harvest Crusade. We've already talked about that September tenth, eleventh, and twelfth. But again, Sunday that will start at six, and then um, Monday and Tuesday it will start at seven. Um, so it will change Monday and Tuesday to seven, um, and make sure to come out, um, make sure to bring your, all your family, your friends, um, anyone who just really anyone and everyone, (laughs) what the Lord will provide and make room. Um, and then we do have the camp meeting coming up with Pastor Dwayne Kidd, uh, the breaking setting the captives free i almost said breaking the chains because their little graphic has a chain breaking but um uh, that's september 14th 15th 15th and 16th i believe that let's look at our app here i believe that's at 6 30 nightly um let's see here should have had that on my list um yeah well it's at 6 p.m nightly so, um, and that again is South 4834 South Jackson Highway, Horse Cave, Kentucky at the Burley Barn. Um, 
I, I just love how they, they're keeping it nameless, faceless. And he says, if you're bound by anything, struggling with anything, then this is the place for you to come and be set free. So, um, the Lord isn't only speaking to us about deliverance. <laughs> it's a lot of churches that are waking up to deliverance and healing and just what the spirit of the Lord is doing and wants to do for people that have been bound for way too long. So super excited for that. Um, is going to be an amazing time. And then our next young, young adult group will be not this next Monday because that's our harvest crusade, but the 18th, September the 18th at six thirty, as always. And then our, our last announcement I have here is the fall share and our theme this year again is gathering the harvest. So just get those dates down September 27th, 28th and 29th. And we'll have more info on that. We have different guests. Um, we have, uh, just different challenges, things like that. It's, it's super awesome and awesome time. And, um, our last share was awesome, but we're believing the Lord for an even better share I am, uh, because I know that he will provide through, um, giving and through sowing the seeds and that's how we keep this ministry going. And, and I just love how the share has so much, um, so much energy behind it. It's not just about, oh, like a normal, typical fundraising thing or anything like that. It's just awesome to see the body of Christ get together, the um, cheerful giving, the excitement behind it, um, the challenges, and, and just seeing people be obedient to what the Lord's laying on their heart um, for, for the share So super excited for that again, September 27th, 28th, 29th. That's a Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And of, of course it'll start at 7am and end at 5pm each day. So that's all that I have for the announcements this morning. Um, let's see here. I have a memory. I have a verse of the day for us. So that's Psalm 42, one. Um, this has just been on my heart lately. Um, and it just keeps coming up as a deer pants for flowing streams or as the deer pants for the water. So pants my soul for you. Oh God. Um, and so I think the Lord right now is just really wanting us to long for him, long for his spirit. Um, get back to our first love, get back to that, the secret place, um, in the midst of everything he's doing. We never want to what happens in a lot of movements and a lot of revivals and things like that is we get caught up in what he's doing and we get caught up in the hand and we forget the heart and we don't come back to that love and, and keep our relationship strong throughout what he's doing. Cause what he's doing can be amazing. Um, but we just have to, um, keep our relationship with him strong because he, he desires, us. he desires time with us too. He loves us. Um, and then I, the quote of the day I have is people get weary and well-doing when they are not solid in their identity in Christ. And I just love that. Um, I was on a, um, one of my core meetings last night and, uh, Jenny Weaver, that was one thing that she said. So I was like, I have to get that and say it for our quote of the day because it's so true. Um, we get weary when we don't rely on when we rely on our own understanding or our own strength and not laying our burdens and casting our cares upon uh, Jesus, which he told us to do multiple times. And his, his burden is easy. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. So, um, 
when we know that we're a son and a daughter, we know that we have rest in him. So, all right. Well, that's all I have this morning. I do not have the weather. Anybody have the weather? Um, There's a sky. <laughs> no. It felt good. That's all I know. It did feel good. I actually think there's some chances of storms today, I think. Um, I know there was actually supposed to storm yesterday on and off, and it never did. So, um, Well, the degrees are going down. That's what I'm amening. <laughs> I mean. Yeah, I like the warm. It it may be cooling down down outside, but it's heating up in the spirit. Amen. Uh-huh. <laughs> Braden's like, oh no, I, he said he's not ready for winter, and I said, I'm not ready for winter, but I'm ready for a cool down. I said, when you're work on an oven, you know, <laughs> when you're in that oven all day long, you're you need some cooler weather. So you know what I like about winter, and people think I'm weird for this. I actually like it when it gets dark earlier. <laughs> I have no really? idea why. Maybe because uh, you don't have to I work think as long and you can no, go back in the house earlier. No, maybe? that doesn't matter because even when I'm done with the outside stuff, i got plenty of inside stuff to do. <laughs> um, but I think it's because I can tell, like, cloud, hey, it's dark at, like, 530. <laughs> and you want to go to – sometimes you just go to bed earlier when the, when it gets darker. I mean, I, I don't know why. I Like, it don't – I know a lot of people like, oh, I can't wait for it to be daylight. I hate when it's nine o'clock at night and it's daylight. True. I just it's don't time like to it. Settle down. Yeah. Yeah. And <laughs> I like it. Like I'm not a person of the night, like dark. Um, but I, I don't know. I, I really do. <laughs> I like um, I like it when it gets dark earlier. Hmm. But I guess I guess too. Um, I really love basketball season around here. Really. When it gets not because it's just basketball. Um, I don't even like. I like the basketball season because it feels like you get to see people a lot more yeah. that you usually don't because everybody's trying to crowd in they don't want to be outside it's, it's yeah and and i mean well you get to you get to be with the body of christ more like yeah. you get like two extra nights a week you're with the body of christ and you get the fellowship and that's always fun and um and so i don't know like i just and then i like going to other gyms and seeing people i haven't seen for a while and so i think it's the i think it's like that time of the year and then you get into the fall which i love the fall um, well, it's kind of like people ain't going out on the boats and people ain't going out doing this. They're doing inside stuff. You can see more people. Yeah. So. And don't tell, and I mean, don't tell Heather cause she'll have me there every weekend, but I'd really do love pumpkin patches. I agree. I like, like I really do. I, I like cool. going to pumpkin patches or like the orchard, all the, yeah, orchards, the orchard right? stuff, whatever yeah. that's it. Well, I mean, that's what they're called. The orchard stuff. Yeah. Um, because those really don't have much to do with Halloween. Like most of the time you're just. You just go and you get to eat that cool food. Well, I think the thing we got to separate with Halloween and harvest time is is harvest time is real. I mean, there's pumpkins, there's <laughs> hay bales, there's straw bales. I don't see anything myself wrong with that um, because I think God's given us these things. And I think the, the harvest time, somehow the enemy has intertwined Halloween with harvest time. And I'm sitting there thinking, no, I said, we're going to separate your, your ungodly stuff away from what God's wanting yeah, to do. So. I really like... Um, caramel apples now, oh, yeah. apple themselves, yeah, but caramel apple, it's, somehow, it's different, ain't yeah, it? Yeah, it is. You stick caramel <laughs> on anything, that apple hits different when there's caramel on it. Uh, now, when you put the chocolate on the outside of them, too, yeah. that's really good. What about the um, apple cider slushies? Have you yeah. that? No, I don't, I'll try it. I mean, I like apple now, I do like, uh, and then of course, you're moving from fall into my favorite holiday, Thanksgiving. <laughs> oh, yeah. 
We can't I, talk about that. That'll make me hungry. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I can't wait. I, I try to get invited to as many Thanksgiving as I possibly can. <laughs> <laughs> Here, sounds like Jason. Yeah, that's what I was. I didn't. I was it's trying to hold one, back from saying that. But it's uh, the one time of the year and that. Roger. <laughs> and Roger, I love Thanksgiving. Well, that, that's that's where I'm kind of like. Why do we only do it one time a year? I mean, I, I agree. know it's, it's Hallelujah, I, praise I, the Lord. I, I felt it. it. I'm like, why do we save turkey and dressing for one time a year? It seems like I know some people might cook something different, but we don't have this big. All these foods, but we only do it one time a year. And I'm like, most of the time, people might get sick, or my family gets sick, and we don't have Thanksgiving. It really makes me mad when that happens because <laughs> I miss all the food, you know. Um, hey, we should be thankful all year round. For it's hard. So we Look, need to start doing turkey and dressing. Um, we what we probably need to do is buy about twelve turkeys at Thanksgiving time. Okay. One and once once a month we have Thanksgiving dinner, Ooh, and then I can do that. Twelve turkeys. <laughs> I don't even have to have turkey. I love yeah. whoa, I like whoa, 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 whoa. I just feel like every time I, I love turkey, but I like I, smoked turkey. I could have. All I the other break stuff. that. I break that curse. <laughs> I break that word curse. I break all that right now. But I always go to sleep after I eat turkey. I'm like, I don't want to eat so much turkey where I feel like I'm just like, and, and it is proven oh, that turkey I makes do. you sleepy. <laughs> I want to eat as much turkey as I can. <laughs> is that your excuse to take a nap? <laughs> I ate too much turkey today. Oh. I'm ready for it. Caramel Is pie. Is that the only kind of turkey you like? Thanksgiving What's turkey? Uh, no, I'll eat turkey. Huh. Yeah, I eat turkey. I forget. Um, you, need Aaron, to, you need to start eating that more. That's healthy. Aaron don't like the fixings. You know, I'm like the fixings, like the, the yeah. dressing yeah. and the green bean casserole and the hash brown casserole. Well, that's probably better for Look, him. Thanksgiving's actually your healthiest day. <laughs> Look, my, <laughs> my, uh, my, my Thanksgiving plates consist of this. Turkey, mashed potato, mac and cheese, a little bacon spread on top of the mashed potatoes, mm. and a roll. Oh, it's got to be Hawaiian. And then about six of those plates each Thanksgiving sit down. <laughs> I, I take my statement back. <laughs> now I will say this: I do like I pour brown gravy over all my stuff. I mean, if it's the hash brown, the mashed potatoes, and the turkey, I just there's something about brown gravy. And my mom, I always tell her, you have to have cranberry sauce. I know not a lot of people like it. But cranberry sauce makes the whole meal for me. I mean, I have I've, I'm always getting extra cans to take to people's houses because most people don't like it. <laughs> I can contest to that. <laughs> <laughs> it, it to me, cranberry sauce is from heaven. I promise. Yeah, I do you. like I, cranberry sauce. But if you are not deep frying your turkey at this point, you're missing out. Yeah, uh, you just need to repent. Um, and it is a deep fried turkey. Whew. There's not much better. <laughs> I'm so hungry right now. <laughs> you shouldn't have started that. We hadn't even ate breakfast this morning. I am so hungry now. All right. We are in John chapter 20. Verse 23. <clears throat> we are, I mean, we're, we're going to finish John by October, I think. All right. Verse 23 of chapter 20. Um, well, we talked about that one yesterday, didn't we? We started in on it. Yeah, but I think you said you might want to come back. Uh, all right. <laughs> Maybe we won't. No. We can do 24. It says, Receive you the Holy Ghost. Whosoever sins you remit, they remit unto them. And whosoever sins you retain, they are retained. Which, again, I do not believe that's like the Catholic Church would teach on this area. Again, not to pick or bash on our Catholic friends or whatsoever. But I don't think man has the ability to forgive sin. All right, now, if there's a transgression, which is this, if I go up to Jacob and I sin against Jacob, there is a repentance of Jacob I need to do. Um, 
And what I mean by that is I need to ask his forgiveness because I sinned against Jacob. But if I sin against God, Jacob can't forgive that sin. All right. Now, if I sin against Jacob, I need to ask Jacob's forgiveness. But also, I think I need to ask God's forgiveness for a sin because it is still a sin. But at the end of the day, if I sin against God, Jacob can't do nothing for that. Yeah. Right. And um, like as a as a young preacher, when I was out in the workplace or at the golf course or something like that working or even playing, you know, somebody would say us a cuss word. They would turn around. Oh, oh I'm so sorry. I'm sorry. Well, I don't think it's me you need to be repenting to. Like, you know, yeah. I think I think there's somebody else you need to repent to. And so I don't think this scripture has given us the ability to forgive sins. Do you think that Catholics might have this? Sure, that's one of the things that you use in, the, in okay. their theology. But I think what this scripture is saying is that, um, <coughs> excuse me, um, basically this, we have the responsibility to preach the gospel. Because what does he tell them a minute ago? As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Now he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Ghost. Why does he want them to receive the Holy Ghost? If we go to Acts chapter 1, verse 8, he said, what? Tarry here until you are endued with power, power to become what? Witnesses unto all the earth. That's what he says. You are going to be endued in power to be witnesses. So here I think he's saying, I'm sending you. I'm going to give you the Holy Ghost, and you're going to be witnesses. And those who you preach the gospel to can hear forgiveness of sins. Those who you don't preach the gospel to will not know what it's like to have unforgiveness. I mean, forgiveness of sins. So he's saying this, we have the keys of the kingdom. That's not just for spiritual warfare. The keys of the kingdom are we have the responsibility to preach the gospel and open the door wide. But if the church closes a door in evangelism, there's going to be those that don't hear the gospel and don't hear the good news and don't hear the ability to repent and be forgiven. They don't hear it because we didn't say it. So in a sense, he's telling them, you have the power to open or shut, shut the door. Yeah, that's true. That's what I believe he's saying there. In the context, if you look at where he's saying, I send you, the Father send me, mm-hmm. I'm giving you the Holy Ghost. If you line it up with what happens in the early early verses of Acts, Acts 1-8, stay here to you and do with power to become witnesses unto all the earth. Then he goes and actually baptizes them in the Holy Ghost in Acts chapter 2. And then immediately Peter goes preaches to the Jews and 5,000 come one day and three or 4,000 come the next time. Mm-hmm. So, but if Peter don't go preach, what's happening? Those eight to 9,000 people is not being born again. True. Yeah. And their sins are retained unto them. So that's my opinion of what this verse is saying. I think other people's got other ones. I just, I just try to contextually see exactly where it's lining up. So y'all got anything? I'm just saying, you know, maybe um, how the forgiveness is, like you were saying, it's not like you still got to pray to the Father. The Father is the one who ultimately forgives. But at the same time, I feel like we've forgiven our brothers or forgiven our sisters for something. It's almost kind of like it, it breaks the mold. Or if, um, if like, they come to you and they're something odd against you, it's, it's there can be some conflicting between each other, you know. So there's a hey, I forgive you for what you've done, and I think it's almost like we don't don't allow it to become a stronghold between each other. Because it, it, I mean, I've seen it happen. Somebody, you know, where people would talk about somebody or, or, or you know something they've done and look at them like that, you know. 
and they it's almost kind of like because if I almost feel like if we don't forgive others in in that sense I feel like it it creates a stronghold mm-hmm. in them you know because how can God forgive them if we can't you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying so and I think that to them they see that if we can show that to people forgive them for that then that's going to open the door for forgiveness for them to go to the Father because it's almost kind of like if if a person I can see can forgive me, then I know my the God that I serve can forgive me. Mm-hmm. So that's just me. But. Yeah. Well, go ahead, ahead. Are you talking about more of an unbeliever? Oh. More with unbelievers or believers? You know, I think it, it doesn't matter. I okay. mean, I, yeah, I think it could be either. So, mm-hmm. but that, but I mean, I uh, if. It, the only thing that kind of gets me is if you withhold forgiveness from any, uh, it is withheld. That's one I just, I don't, I don't know. One scripture. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't think, though, that if you for, refuse to forgive somebody, yeah, they don't get to go to heaven. So, but that's what some people would use this as. Yeah. I don't think that would be making us God at that point and yeah um no i don't believe that i just i just uh that one scripture kind of the part the the second part is where i'm kind of well i think i think you can look at illustrations here in the scripture um jesus was being crucified on the cross and he prays father forgive them for they don't know what what they they do." do that is saying I'm not holding their sin against them. I want them to hear the gospel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Stephen was the same way whenever Saul was leading up to stoning of who he was, and he looks into heaven, sees the Son of Man, but then looks down and prays. Like, I'm sorry, he sees that after. He prays for them and prays pretty much the same prayer Jesus prayed. Father, forgive them, for they know not oh, what they, they do. And that was, that was like Acts chapter 7, 8, somewhere in there. And then right after that, Paul meets Jesus on Damascus yeah. and Paul was the one he leading up the stoning yeah. of Stephen. So I think Stephen not holding that sin against Paul and praying for Paul yeah. is the very thing that released Paul to be transformed. So basically he's just saying if you withhold it, yeah. you're you're keeping them from seeing what really uh, I think so. What is it's being withheld from yeah. from them if you don't show them forgiveness. Mm-hmm. Basically illustrating, hey, don't I almost feel like he's saying if you really have the heart of God, you're going to forgive. Mm-hmm. And if you hold it, if you give them forgiveness, they're going to get forgiveness. They're going to, they're, you know, if you give them that, they're going to go to the Father. But if you withhold it, they may have, it might cause a grudge in you. It may cause some kind of unforgiveness in them to not, it's withheld. So you're not, something that God has poured into you is not being given to them. And I almost feel like God is showing, like giving that, like, hey, don't, I, I'm not. He's. I'm not trying to put in the scripture, but I just feel like he's saying, if you don't give forgiveness, it may be withheld from now. You know, so they might miss out on it because I mean, it's the Lord doing it. Yes, and it's them going to the Father. But we're showing them that by our actions, yeah. by our forgiveness, that can be a seed planted or an eye opener to them. And I think. I think like what. Well, I think you can even take it a little bit step farther is that the Lord may have you preach the gospel or tell them of him to somebody that you really have been mistreated by or um, hurt you or did things in your own heart or to your own life and caused trauma, caused situations, caused depression whatsoever. But when we learn to forgive, we're willing to preach the gospel to anybody. We're willing to go and reach with anybody. We're... Um, 
you know, there's, to me, there's nobody that's done so much they should never hear the gospel. Yeah. And I think some people think that. Like, some people say, well, that person, I don't even know if I want to be in heaven with them. And I've heard people kind of allude to stuff like that. But it's almost like they're being God. And, mm-hmm. well, it, it, they're, 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 their unforgiveness in their own heart that's created that has created a bondage and maybe yeah. God's trying to use you to preach the gospel True. to them. Um, and I think with these disciples, you know, and what's going to, they're going to transition to really in more apostleship and being sent is, um, you know, he's telling them like, yeah, you, you you've got to preach to everybody. Yes. You've got to go. You've yes. got to do, you've got to forgive. You've got to do this. Because at the end of the day, these people were still not very high up on them. Yeah. Like, we see the thousands and thousands come to Christ, but as a whole, you know, they're still putting them in the jails. They're still beating them. They're still going to martyr them. They're still going to do all this, and yet they're going to continue to go preach the gospel and to continue to go. Um, now, are you going to do it every single day to the same person that keeps rejecting the gospel? That's a different story. What we're talking about is we cannot hold, let our unforgiveness keep us from sharing the power of the gospel with somebody. And we also need to let it go because we've got to learn how to forgive. Like, I mean, there's a lot to this, to this whole pa- unpacking of forgiveness and unforgiveness, you know, and even when you forgive doesn't mean you have to put yourself in the same situation. Cause you know, if, if you forgive them, but they really hurt you or they did something or there was some traumatic things, you don't have to put yourself in those shoes to be hurt again. But preaching the gospel isn't putting yourself in those shoes to be hurt again. That's just saying you can be forgiven. Um, I mean, if, if somebody's done something wrong to kids, you're probably, you should never let them babysit yours. True. Okay. Doesn't mean I haven't forgiven them. That's using wisdom. Um, and so I think there's this, those, those wise things that we do, but we can still forgive. And I think some people think, well, if I forgive, then I should just completely forget it and never think about it again. I, I don't necessarily think that's right on a human level. Like we forgive, like um, I had to forgive my dad for things and I had to forgive other people. But, you know, there was always that, like um, I didn't hold it against them. I was no longer mad. I was no longer bitter, but would I ever let my kids go over there and like hang out with him? Yeah. Well, he never really wanted to. So I guess I, that's never a question I had to ask, but you know, it was just, um, I don't want to say because you know our sins are thrown in the sea of forgetfulness. I feel like I'm talking in circles here. I don't. It's <laughs> I know such a hard, hard. Well, it's it's a hard question. It's a hard topic because our seas, our sins are thrown in the sea of forgetfulness. I mean, from as far as the east is from the west of the Father, they are forgiven. But forgiveness for us is not saying I forgive them. They hurt my kids. I forgive them, so I'm gonna give them an opportunity to hurt my kids again. Yeah. It's not a sign of unforgiveness if you're to use wise and be yes. protective. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, I don't want to yeah, keep yeah. talking yeah. in circles. But no, I mean, I, I mean, the more I read, point. the more we sit here, I'm just saying, I feel like Jesus is saying, okay, you have the Holy Spirit. This is what you are the ones on the earth that are preaching the gospel. I've given you the comforter. I've given you myself. Now this, you go forward and you do these things, and you, for, if you forgive the sins of people, basically I believe you're saying you're showing them forgiveness from the Father because you've been forgiven. You show forgiveness. So if you withheld it, you're going to withhold that from them. So it's almost like he's telling them contextually, like, do not I, show this to them. 
because this is they're seeing you as what I was doing and mm-hmm. I spent time with you. You forgive them because that will show them forgiveness from heaven. Mm-hmm. And because if we're a bunch of people who have unforgiveness, how can we show the father and all that? You know what I'm yeah. saying? I, it, it just and I, so well, forgiveness and love go together. Yeah. You yeah. can't really separate those. Because if you have no love, then it's probably going to be really hard to forgive. But and the, Jesus is love; He is love, so yeah. that would make sense that that's showing His goodness and His love to us. But it's almost kind of like I said, you know, it, it, like Jesus said, "Well, if you do this, this is going to happen too." You know, this is going to be withheld. So, well, we're going to talk a little bit more about unforgiveness when we get back. Um, Wednesday question number one, sponsored by the Sicilian Bank. What apostle noted that he had been endangered by the sea and by rivers? What apostle noted that he had been endangered by the sea and by the rivers? 270-257-2689. We will be right back here after the break on Mornings with Box 2 Radio on the Box 2 Radio Network. All right, we are back here after the break. Miss Gail got the answer correct, and it was Paul. Joey Sosh was on his way to get it right, too, but he was just a little bit late, just a few seconds late. He said, somebody else got it already. I said, yep. All right. All right. Um, He was close, though. He was close. Um, Miss Katie wrote in, the reason we only do Thanksgiving once a year is because women do all the work, Aaron. (laughs) (sighs) And what was your response to that, Jake? Well, Aaron says, I cooked the turkey. I do. I said, with 20 other things being prepared. <laughs> like, we sit there and put it in, and you watch it. <laughs> it's really hard, though. <laughs> you have to put it in with such, like, you got to put that turkey in in the oil in such a way that it don't overflow, because then you blow everything up. That would be awesome, though. And, <laughs> I, would um, I would have no eyebrows. <laughs> you just draw them on. Um, well... <laughs> Miss Katie, you're probably correct. <laughs> you're probably correct. Um, well, we have a um, text in from Ethan on our last conversation about forgiveness. All right, shoot for it. I got another one too. Um, he says, I feel like when we forgive, we are witnessing to others. We show that we're able to forgive because we have forgiveness from our Father. Yep. Amen. I love that. Oh, that's really solid. Miss mm-hmm. uh, Gale said there are still new believers that need to see the example too, to give them courage and see the love of forgiveness. Amen. Um, I think that's terrific as well. Um, making sure I got caught up on there. She also says it can be a very cold winner, which <laughs> I, I'm okay with. Um, I think that's God. Yep, I'm caught up. I'm caught up. All right. Well, and. You know, with the unforgiveness, I think a lot of people is already saying a lot of good things and talking, um, you know, bringing up some good points about it too. But and again, unforgiveness does not mean that you're careless or reckless or you got to put yourself in the same predicament that got you hurt in the first place. You can forgive without placing yourself in danger or anything to that regard, especially if it's dangerous situations. Um, and um, you know, but I do think too, though, that if there's things in your life that you seem to be constantly struggling with. Um, there's, there's habitual things that are just over and over and over. Yeah. Uh, there's strong codes that don't seem to go away, even though you're fasting, you're praying, you're, you're trying to crucify your flesh. You've thrown out your computer. You have, 
done all these things, like all these steps. You're like, what else can I do? I think at that point there is a very healthy thing to sit down and say, is there anybody in my life that I'm holding their forgiveness against? Because it is a door. I think sometimes people misunderstand forgiveness because forgiveness isn't something that is just, some people have like levels of forgiveness, I believe. I can't prove that scripture. I'm just saying, like, if somebody cuts you off in traffic, oh, okay, forgive them, you know. Or somebody does something like it's but a there hard are one some, for me. There's some, <laughs> there's some deep wounds that is really, really, it's hard for people, you know, especially when you're talking in the realm of molestation stuff like that. It's it's deep. It's deep cutted wounds. But I always tell them forgiveness is. If it's not for them, it's for you more than anything because it it creates something in you that is a release. You're releasing something. And it's hard for people. And it's I think freedom. Yes, it's freedom. For the person forgiving. And I think people sometimes um, say they've forgiven somebody, but they really haven't. You know, it's, 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 it's such a deep thing. And I think it's on the surface. Sometimes we can feel that, but there's still that wound. It's deep down in there. That I think a lot of people think that if they just confess that they've forgiven yeah. somebody and if they pray for them <clears throat> or occasionally pray for them, then that's forgiveness. But I think it looks different for everybody. Yeah. Forgiveness is going to look different for everybody because True. depending on how deep the wound went. Because yeah. the same thing could happen to two people and the wound could go deeper in one person than the other. Yeah. That's just the truth. Because people have different levels of emotions and yeah. you know just walks of life and things like that. So forgiveness isn't always going to look like your brother or sister's forgiveness. True. You know, But at the same time, you know what really helps me out whenever I'm really the hard parts of forgiveness is I go back to the cross Mm -hmm. and I go back to where Jesus was doing what he did and all the things that he took on himself for us. He didn't deserve none of it, you know, and you look at what he did and the life that he laid down for us. And if he can forgive those that did that to him, we can ourselves forgive others because it's it's almost kind of like we need sometimes to be reminded of what Jesus really did because yeah. I think that should be part of in our in our walk is always let's remind ourselves of the price that he paid mm-hmm. not something that we just you know think about now and then I think it really brings us into hey okay I've too much has been forgiven much is required yeah. you know if you've been forgiven much you know, it should be easy for you to forgive because mm-hmm. you look at within yourself of how much you've been forgiven by the Father or even from others, then you should be able to forgive yourself others that have hurt you and or whatever. But I think that to me is my biggest key that I use in forgiveness is going back to the cross, going back to what Jesus paid, walking what he went through, even in the garden, and he became sin. He became everything for me. And he hung it on the tree and he nailed it. And it's done and it's finished and it's gone forever. That's why we need to be doing the same thing. Some of you need to hang some of that forgiveness and nail it to the tree and be done. 
So. Amen. Hallelujah. Just sitting here listening, getting caught up on stuff. <laughs> <laughs> See, this is what I like. I like when... Did you I, miss me in the last couple of weeks? Yeah, I just... I enjoy getting yep. to, I I enjoy getting to have uh, people always say, "Well, uh, Aaron, uh, sorry, we talk talk all you want. I talk all the time, so <laughs> I like it when y'all talk, and I get to just sit here and listen and get caught up on text messages and other things that's <laughs> scrolling through. Um, <clears throat> I, d- I do think f- f- uh, forgiveness though is is such a big deal, and you are correct in so many other in so many ways, and how there's different layers that we got to peel back, and there's certain things and. Also, what I've seen a ton of times, a lot, a lot, is where God will continue to reveal people that you haven't forgiven that you didn't even realize it. Like, I see this all the time, that there's like these bleeding holes in your heart that you didn't even know was bleeding Mm -hmm. until God revealed them and Mm -hmm. opened the door. And like you all were just saying, it's it's vitally important at that point to to nail it to the cross, to get it out, to, uh, to, to to be done with it. Yeah. Now, again, that does not mean that we go back and put ourselves in the same predicament. No. That's not what we're talking about. But what we're saying is it's not holding me. And most of the time, this is what I tell a lot of people. People want to people want to hold on to unforgiveness because they're angry. Yeah. And they think it's somehow hurting the other person. No, that other not. person, 95% of the time, isn't even thinking about you not forgiving them. Probably not. They're just sitting there living their life. Mm-hmm. Unforgiveness affects you way more than the person you haven't forgiven. True. Mm-hmm. And... Um, I remember I walked whenever I was pastoring a church one time and um, at this church, there was a gentleman that um, a traumatic thing had happened in his earlier life and his sister was um, brutally murdered. And because of this murder, he fought unforgiveness. He was never going to forgive the guy. Like it doesn't matter what you do. He was never going to forgive him. But also, there was like, you could tell there was hints of racism, there was hints of other things, too. And it's just one door always opens another, another door. door. And, yeah. um, you know, I don't think that person may ever let go of that unforgiveness. True. And we tried and tried and tried. But you see where that unforgiveness gave birth to other things. Yep. And, you know, unforgiveness, I'm, I've always said this. If you don't forgive somebody, what ends up coming after unforgiveness becomes bitterness and then bitterness sets in and then bitterness even becomes even worse than that you become just this it's just this rageful part it causes anger bitterness sets up anger and it just and you get mad at everything you start getting angry at everything and frustration and when bitterness is there it takes deep root and it's like now I've I've let this settle in to bitterness, and now bitterness is causing anger and all these things, and I don't trust. It causes antitrust issues, and it causes this, and you don't trust nothing, and, and it just it's a downhill spiral. Mm-hmm. And I, I believe I've walked I've watched people do this, and they've walked down this bitterness, and then rage, and then anger, and then it's depression just comes depression comes depression, and then it's then they don't feel. Mm-hmm. After they get to a certain level, they get to this place where they don't feel, and that's dangerous. Yeah. to be at because then I feel like we're getting close to that place where you can't even feel God no more mm-hmm. because you've let this thing creep in so much that it's just taken so deep of a root that, you know, and I'm not saying that's everybody, but I believe that if you dwell on this for so long, now there's some that hides it away and it doesn't create so much bitterness, but you, mm-hmm. but when it gets brought up, it's just, 
it's still there. I mean, yeah. that that happened to me. I'm a person that, well, I'm not going to claim that. I was a person who would bury things and just kind of put it on the shelf and keep living life, but it's mm-hmm. still there. I mean, even if it's not causing you to completely retreat from everybody or be isolated, if you still keep it on that shelf, it's still going to be there affecting you in some yeah. way without you even realizing it. And the Lord's, you just, healing sets you free and makes it you does. just truly be able to have more joy really i like what somebody said uh recently is that um these things that we don't even know that we have that we need deliverance from and a lot of them are emotional a lot of things are like attached to emotions and things really getting deliverance the beauty of it is that it's clearing up space for us to hold more joy yeah wow it's clearing up space in us that we didn't even know we needed to clear out so that we can hold more glory inside of us so that we can hold more joy inside of us more peace it's basically clearing up space to hold all the things of the spirit that we should be able to hold inside yeah. of us well i think it's important too that we all hear from the spirit because you may have something that god shows you about somebody that may be the key and i probably shared this story on here a hundred times but i can't remember when it's the last time i shared it but it was talking about um this missionary girl who was about to go on a mission trip and she was gathering with the elders and everyone to pray for her that night and the prophet and the pastor and they was all there and they began to pray over this girl and uh, the prophet guy said the Lord spoke to me to tell her that God hates mommies and daddies and uh, he said I ain't telling her that that don't even make sense God I'm not telling this girl he said this is one point where I wish I wasn't a prophet and he said, it doesn't make sense, God. He's, and the Lord says, you need to do it now. And he said, I knew I had to do it. I, I was going to look like a fool, but I'm going to tell her. And he told her, God hates mommies and daddies. And she began to just going through this. I mean, it was like a fit, a rage. It just come out of her like this bondage and this garbage. And she started going through all this deliverance. And after about an hour, she came to and she was free. But she sat down and she began to talk to them. And she said, uh, they said, what happened? You know, we don't understand what happened. She goes, when I was a kid, my mom and dad would play a game. They would molest her. And it was called Mommies and Daddies. And it was just, oh, my goodness, when you heard that story, that it just did something to you. Like, if this prophet wouldn't have listened, even in the stupidest sounding thing that didn't even make sense, like, he's questioning God. It didn't make sense to him, but God knew yeah. and God was the one who knew what needed to be set out of her mm-hmm. because no one else knew that. There's no way this man would have known that she knew that. And it took God himself using a man to speak that word to that person that set that woman free because it mm-hmm. brought up stuff in her that only she knew that God was working on. And he was trying to pull out her and she was a missionary going on a mission trip. And and and, God, and I I remember later on listening to it, and they went to this nation that when they went to preach this gospel, and people got set free. Like they even had like a like this witch camp up on the hill. They um, God there was a lightning bolt that struck on top of the hill, and they all come down. They witnessed to them. They all got saved. All these witches and warlocks wow. in this country. So God set her free for a reason because He knew she had to be totally set free to be able to set these others free over there. Wow. So, I mean, it's That's an amazing awesome. story to to hear that and, and know the importance of hearing from God. 
And yeah. I heard people say, well, you better know that you know. I'm like, sometimes you just got to go on it. If you feel that God is pushing you and you got to do it. I said, sometimes you step out in faith. And even if it doesn't even sound right, it doesn't even sound um, even possible, you know, like. But just like that, that guy, it was spoken again when yeah. he when he was trying not to do it. Yeah. Yeah. You need to do it. You need to do it. You so better. I think that's something that. um is important too is that <laughs> I, w- I was listening to something that talked about we we can't be the um we can't be the prophet who cried wolf <laughs> yeah <laughs> because we can't just oh i think i i know this i think i heard this i think i heard that like we really i mean i've been there but i think the lord really wants us to get to a place where we really have weight behind what we say yeah and we spend time in the secret place and spend time in prayer and and weighing things out and and really seeking him. Now, that might be different in like a church service or something like yeah, that because yeah. you're That's kind of pr- in private. the moment. Yeah. But when you're in the secret place and you're and this is just a part of your everyday life is hearing from the Lord, hearing from yeah. the Lord. Then when we get in those services, when we get in these public or evangelism, things like this, it'll just be natural and we will have authority and we'll know yeah. that we heard it. We will we won't say, Oh, I think I saw this and heard this. We'll know and we'll be able to be precise about it because our ear has been trained in the secret place. It's developing and I think that's where people we gotta develop that in people. And when you're like when you're in the secret place with God, he's training you. He's downloading things in you. When you get in his word and faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word, that's what I was talking to Josh Newton about this morning. We were both talking about having that faith and understanding that this is getting inside of us and allowing that to, because the Bible says my sheep know my voice. Mm-hmm. So when he speaks, you know, it's him. And that's where I feel like the body of Christ needs to get really intimate with the father where they know his voice like none other and it's louder than every other voice inside of you it's louder than your flesh It's louder than everything else it's got to be at the loudest thing you hear is his voice yeah and the discernment to know that it's him and know that it's not something something opposite of the of the bible something contrary to scripture true yeah amen hallelujah all right. Well, we are getting ready to come upon our, actually, okay. Yeah, we're at break. <laughs> I, I took a snapshot of my Q&A questions, and I f- didn't realize I did it at 7.43, and I'm like, wait a second, my phone's saying 7.43, but my f- computer's saying 7.57. Then I remember <laughs> I took a snapshot. All right. Um, and so let's read our second trivia question of the day, take a break, and we'll come back here. Um, I think there was one question on the list that wasn't answered yesterday is that Mm -hmm. correct hannah all right well we'll get that and then we will continue forth with some bible dialogue and discussion and talking about how thanksgiving should be every month of the year (laughs) to the glory of god um miss katie we promise we'll help uh like the the guys will help more if we can get thanksgiving dinner once a month for the all year long i know the guys will step in and help more (laughs) am i wrong jacob (laughs) <laughs> i love to cook not a lot of guys like to cook but i do like to cook i love to eat um <clears throat> i mean but it does make it taste better when you don't cook it i don't know why but it just anytime i cook i don't like to eat that's me i like i mean i love cooking for people and i love if i sit there and wait about an hour after i get done cooking then it's good 
But if I <laughs> co- eat it right after I cook it, it just don't taste as good as if somebody else fixes it. Mm-hmm. Well, there's only one thing that does for me. There's only one thing I love to cook and I love to eat: baked potatoes. Yeah, well, you do I'll, make some of the best baked potatoes. I could, ate. I could eat three or four baked potatoes a day. I know I could. I could do it all. But day, I have day. to have butter and sour cream and salt and pepper. Well, you can hold the sour cream. I don't want that. I, I've got this thing where I love garlic on everything. I don't know what's wrong with my breath. Probably stinks bad, but I love garlic. It's like my body just wants it so bad. It's weird. Like I put garlic on everything. Yuck. All right. <laughs> Wednesday question number two, sponsored by Higdon Land Surveying. What future wife of David rode out to meet him on a donkey when she was pleading for her husband's life? What future wife of David rode out to meet him on a donkey when she was pleading for her husband's life? We'll be right back here after the break on Mornings of Box 2 Radio on the Box 2 Radio Network. All right, we are back here with Mornings with Box 2 Radio on the Box 2 Radio Network. It's been a good morning so far. So, um, we do have one more question for this morning. Um, we're throwing Jacob right into it. Amen. Let's, <laughs> um, let's see what it... Okay, so, how did the Old Testament Gentiles come to be saved? Did they have... So, there was some talk about how, you know, like, being a part of the chosen, you know... Yeah. Being grafted in, kind of. So, um did they join the join Israel as like a nation or how are they the question was how did they come to be saved let me see that again I want to read it again which one is it is this a question that was from yesterday mm-hmm yeah it was left over mm-hmm yeah the second one and the Old Testament Gentiles come to be saved did they have to join the nation of Israel well um I'm, I'm, you know, because we're, are you talking about, because salvation never really came until mm-hmm. Jesus came. So, I mean, I believe that because there's a point where we get to, um, they, that there's, we're grafted in through the blood of Jesus. Mm-hmm. So the Old Testament Gentiles, I mean, we, we have to understand that back in the day it, it it didn't work like it did in the in the new testament mm-hmm. so there 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 was this um all, they had a lot of offerings that they did they did a lot of sin offerings but you know stuff like that so i believe that there was a sense of uh of people who were you know a life set apart from you know being that way yeah. uh, of, of the world but I think, you know, even in the Old Testament, there was, I mean, we, we have a lot that's talking about the nation of Israel. We have um, Abraham. You know, these people wasn't really saved. They went to a place called paradise. I mean, but, and it was through their works. But even at that point that the Gentiles did never, they never had the, the ability at that point to be like grafted into the nation of Israel because Jesus broke that mode. Um, Jesus was the, the, we are grafted in through him to that nation. So, you know, that, that may not be the best answer on that part, but. um, I think they might've been. So was Abraham technically a Gentile? I think. 
and he was chosen. He was by chosen. God. Yeah, I mean. So I think that might be where the question. So because from. because because he basically became he was father Abraham. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he he founded the nation. Yeah. So I mean, even before so it's in the a little ulti- bit different. We we can go back though to the lineage of of how the it, the nation of Israel came for his father Abraham. But even in the Old Testament, if you go back as far as like Adam, the descendants of Adam, I mean, the, there was there was a, a sense of like, and then you go back, most of people were destroyed at that time because they became wicked. And then yeah. when Noah came along, um, the, the world was destroyed uh, except for his sons and his family. So you have Noah and you have the sons that were saved during that time. So God started off over again. Mm-hmm. And so, but then even in that, the nation, uh, the, there was a lot of sin that came forward out of Noah's son, Ham, because of what he did in in scriptures. It became the land of Canaan. And so there was sin still at that point. But God always had a people that was always praying. Moses, uh, no, Moses, sorry, Noah, and, and he always had these people that he found good in that he spared and saved. And mm-hmm. so, I mean, we could even go back to that and, and God spared his family in that sense. Um, but then you can go all the way up. But the, the nation of Israel was not, the, Abraham really was the father. He mm-hmm. was the, God found favor with Abraham. But Aaron might be able to answer that a little better than I did. Well, I had to step out. So I don't know. Um, the, full, the, I can't remember. It's just how did Old Testament Gentiles come to be saved? Did they have to join the nation? And I was just trying to reiterate that the nation of Israel wasn't really founded so much until like obviously they didn't technically get saved but the ones that were like the saints like were yeah. there any gentile well gentiles come into the jewish faith all the time yeah. just through a system called proselyte and okay. so it's proselytization and proselytization consisted of three or four things the major three things were they had to be circumcised they had to go through a period of studying yeah. and heart searching and repentance and then they had to be baptized so there's what's called a proselyte baptism. So they baptism. get grafted in before Jesus, though? That's yes, what? into the Jewish faith. A Gentile could come into the Jewish faith, but okay. it was from proselytization. But, but that's not... Uh, I, I'm, but this is talking about, like... How do they come to be saved yeah. in the well, Old Testament? But I, I would, said salvation never came into Jesus. Well, salvation was never because of the law. Yeah. The salvation can only... The law could cover it, and it was a schoolmaster showed you your sin, but there's only ever been one way to become a... Um, per quote unquote person like person of faith when that was having faith yeah like, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Noah wasn't Noah wasn't uh, what you justified by works he was justified by grace he was True. he he found grace he found he yeah. found favor in the sight of God and it was favor he didn't earn it I was mean, because of faith mm-hmm. I mean that's why I, yeah and I seen that like with Noah but I was like well he wasn't what you would call your pastor because I mean he did get drunk yeah uh, <laughs> but I mean like you saw it where. Um, people of other nationalities, you know, they would believe in God yeah. somehow, some yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. Um, now to like, but if you're talking about going into a Jewish faith, you That's know that did yeah. happen. That was a proselytization. Um, technically, it, it's from it's transitioning from one faith to another. So basically, did they did they study the Torah? Yeah, you would have, you would have studied. You would have gone through the Torah, um, and then your then you would have your circumcision which was never pleasant for a male when you're older um and then you had your baptism and a lot of people like really what john the baptist was doing was almost a proselyte baptism because he was trying to get them to change the way they're thinking and he was saying this is this but i'm baptizing you to something new true and you need to change your mind and so it's 
And I think, but for them to be saved per se, you got to remember there was there was no salvation. There wasn't like they went to Shiloh at best. Yeah, um, and that's where they was basically reserved. And when Jesus said he goes to preach, take the captives captives. He's saying, I'm going to go liberate them that are in captivity yeah. in Shiloh and bring them unto myself. Yeah. And that's how 500,000, I mean 500,000, 500 was resurrected and walking around the city and Corinthian yeah. testified of. That's where we can get back to that question because we used to, people used to say Jesus went to hell, but he never actually went to hell. Mm-hmm. He went to Sheol, which is the place of the dead. Um, and that was like Abraham's bosom, the Abraham. paradise. But I think that, yeah, paradise, we could have different names for it, but I think that's like, I mean, even people say Hades. Uh, is that terminology? Hades would be a Greek mythology term, and that would be more towards hell. Okay. Yeah. Hades can be another word for hell. And I think yeah. actually King James even interprets hell Hades once or twice. I'm not 100% sure, but I think it is. It, well, that's where I think the, the misinterpretation of it, they thought it went literally hell, but it wasn't really meaning. Yeah. Um, hell itself where yeah well Hades kind of got known to us through Greek mythology because yeah. it's not a word we use for hell yeah. um, now they probably would have used it more back then especially during you know like when the King James were translated, translated and stuff like that yeah. but for us it's not a commonly used word yeah. so people associate the word Hades with something more of Greek mythology mm-hmm. but um, you know hell's nothing like we think it's going to be and heaven's yeah. nothing like it, we think it's going to be both of them are completely probably different than we ever imagined because right. We get our theology from modernism more than anything. And, you know, it's like we've said on Wednesday night several times now, you know, Satan is not the ruler of hell. True. Hell right. hell is, is is his damnation. Yeah. Like hell is for Satan and the, and the fallen angels. Yeah. He don't get to go down there and party for all eternity. He's going to be tortured for all eternity. And because just as we will be judged for our sin, if you're an unbeliever, he's judged for his sin. Yeah. It's like the lake of fire. Do you think that's the final eternal damnation for yeah i, for I mean satan because he's caught tasked into the lake of fire at the yeah end. i think so i think um the lake of fire is the permanency of it now there is this new teaching though and i've it's 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 pretty new for me um and i'm not the smartest jar cooking the jar so i'm You're smarter than me. um but they're talking about they're wanting people's wanting to say the second death is a permanent death and that they're done for all eternity. There's no existence, but that's not true. There's a, there's going to be eternal judgment. Yeah. All eternity. You, you never cease to exist. And I think sometimes when we talk about eternal life, then so are they saying that like you're just wiped for, for good? Yeah. Like when you don't, when you don't become a believer after you're tortured for so long, it's not like you'd go to heaven. You just, you cease to exist. It's a second death, but I don't think that's the case. But whatsoever. that just takes away from, and I'm not trying to say that it just takes away from to me because when I'm telling you about Jesus, it's not that I want you to be saved, but there is a hell mm-hmm. and it's for eternity. The tortures for eternity it ain't, I almost feel like it's a cop out in a way, kind of like, okay, well, I'll just die. I won't never exist. You know, where do they find, where do they back that up? It talks about a second death. In um, is it Revelation? Jacob mm-hmm. talks about the second death, but the second death would be judgment. So we die this first time, but then we're basically going to be condemned, and mm-hmm. it's better than if we were dead. But it's like a second death because, and again, hell is not the absence of God. Hell is the absence of the goodness of God. 
mm-hmm. because Roman tells us we will deal with either the goodness or the severity of God for all eternity. Um, it's behold, are we on the good God? Are we on the good side of God yeah. or are we on the severe side of God? Well, I mean, I guess you could call it the judgment seat. I mean, you, the second death would, would basically you being cast. It's a life outside of God, basically. Yeah. I mean, of his goodness, of his goodness. There's nothing in hell. And that's the part of the eternal Besides damnation. His wrath. You, you, you part of the torture of going to hell and, and, and not accepting Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Um, and I believe every man has the opportunity. Everybody will have at least one opportunity in their life to, to that. So that's why I say if God is speaking to your heart, you need to listen. Actually, Romans one says that. Romans 1 says everybody already has an inherent understanding who God is, but they rejected him to be God. Okay. Because actually, um, if a remote person on an island that's never heard the gospel before dies, they're still held accountable. Because I know, I'm not creation saying itself that, testifies. But I'm saying that they have a chance. Even if the Holy Spirit comes upon them and tells them this, that they cry out to God. Yeah. You know, It's their rejection. It don't have to be a person. But their rejection of Christ is there. They always have a chance. And and, and I think that's where the second death comes in is a separation, like Aaron said, of of God's goodness. There's no one. I believe that when they're in hell, that the torture of hell is, I mean, it's unbelievable. We don't even, I don't even want to fathom even thinking about people that are going there because I believe it does. It, it, it grieves you when you think of that, when you think of people that are in this eternal damnation never can get out. And was it the, 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 the rich man that, that was, uh, he was begging, let me go back and tell him, let me go yeah. back and tell him. And, and just to have a drop of water, you know, there's yeah. no water, there's no light, there's no, there's nothing. The only thing that lights up hell would be the, the fire and it's still yeah. in darkness. And, um, but there's no light of God. So it's a different kind of light. It's mm-hmm. basically um, the torture of it. Like, uh, I don't even, the second death is to me more than just, okay, I'm done. Yeah. Honestly, I think the absence of the goodness of God is more scary than fire. Oh, yeah. And the physical pain. Where the goodness ain't there no more. Yeah. Um, because I was talking to somebody that actually was in a church service. I was talking recently to him and God allowed them to see like not not actually that his presence was removed. His presence was there, but God allowed her to feel what it was like for him to be his presence to be gone. Yeah. And she was like looking at at, looking at the um, the body of Christ, looking at where she was. And everything was great. Everything, I mean, worship, everything, God's presence. But then God just allowed her to like have this experience where she's still there in the room. She's not like any. She's not going anywhere else in the spirit. She's yeah. still where she is, but she's just seeing everybody going through the motions, almost like a vision. But she could physically feel God's presence leave. Yeah. And she said it was the worst feeling she's ever felt in her life Hmm. and honestly she didn't even feel that before she was born again because she had no awareness of it yeah so she said this was the only time she's ever truly been aware of god's like presence completely being gone like she couldn't feel it in herself either and and then god you know brought her back to to reality of his presence was there and so she was like that 
made me start praying for people. Oh, yeah. I mean, well, I, one thing that I said when she shared that with me is like, wow, like we really need to like that just puts a burden to pray for people. And honestly, it just makes me think about that with um, with this conversation we're having, because even though God's wrath will be there, um, we've never not been able to experience his goodness. Mm. Like We don't know life here without his goodness. That's true. If we're a believer. Mm. So her being able to like experience that for a few seconds, like I just can't imagine. I mean, it's just like being surrounded by people who want to hurt you at constantly at all times. Somebody who's stabbing you in the back, somebody who's basically every person that's ever did bad to you, every person that's not even a fathom of what's going to be happening there. But it's just like, think about being surrounded by everybody who has not your good interest at heart at all. There's nothing that they want to do to, they want to hurt you constantly. They want to do these things to you. That's just a tad bit of what it could be like there, you know. And, and I think that's where there's a complexity of of the eternal damnation in hell that when you, I, I think when people, when we start getting back to preaching hell a little bit more, now, I'm not saying focus on that and, and then use that. We're not trying to manipulate people into the kingdom. But at the same time, I want people to know mm-hmm. that there is a hell and that there is an eternal damnation that never was meant for you. It was never meant for anybody but Satan and his angels. But it's the eternal resting place for those who refuse to to accept Jesus. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's not that he wants you. He doesn't want you there. He gave his life for everybody, but that's the ultimate justice place that he, I mean, the separation from God. I mean, but I'm sitting there thinking if somebody's giving you a free gift, why do you reject it? Mm-hmm. Why? I mean, yeah, well, in, in the scripture, we have two different judgments. There's a judgment seat of Christ, which is for believers. That's found in Romans 14. Then there's the white throne of judge or the white throne of Christ. That's found in Revelation 20. The white throne of judgment would be for unbelievers. Now, your believers are not judged. It says they're given an account, but it's not for salvation. What they're given an account for is rewards Rewards. in heaven. And so anything done not for the glory of Christ and anything done out of vainglory, anything done like that will burn up in the hay and stubble. That's what Corinthians tells us. But then for the unbelievers, they're going to be judged for their works. And I believe there are different levels of judgment, as I believe there's different levels of rewards. I believe sin is sin, but I think there's different levels of sin. I do believe that 100%. Just like there's different, um, Jacob may have more rewards than me. Hannah's going to have maybe more rewards than both of us. Uh, Miss Gail's got a ton of them waiting for her up there. Um, You know, (laughs) and people say, well, I don't want no rewards. But I think we have to stop thinking like that because honestly, um, it's the goodness of God that wants to give us rewards in heaven. Amen. And we we should not deny, deny something that God is doing. Because at the end of the day, it's still not us being able to do it. It's Jesus said himself, I can do nothing I don't see my Father do. So God has given us this ability to even walk in purity, walk in holiness, walk with good works, walk with all this. And those rewards are gifts from his, from the gifts that he gave us in the first place. Yeah. It's all for Jesus and all of his glory. But today... If you don't know him today, if you say, I don't know if I'm at the white throne or the judgment seat of Christ, 
I don't know what my eternity rests upon. I don't know what I'm going to spend, where I'm going to spend eternity. You can get that right today. The Holy Spirit's drawing you. The Holy Spirit's guiding you. You need to surrender your heart to Christ, surrender your life to his lordship and say, I trust in you for my salvation. The Bible said, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that he is Lord, you shall be saved. Um, you, it's not something that you do. It's everything that he did. All we have to do is accept the free gift of salvation, trust in him, surrender to him and say, Lord, I follow you all the days of my life. I want you with every fiber of my body. I don't want to follow sin. I don't want to follow my own self anymore. I want to follow you and I don't trust in myself to save me. I trust in your salvation. I trust in your gospel in the cross to redeem me, sanctify me, fill me, do it all. Today, surrender your heart to him, confess, repent, and I'm telling you, believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. He, you will be saved, the Bible says. That's a promise. And so it is a free gift. It's a free gift. Now, I will say I disagree with you on how many judgments mm -hmm. there is. I believe there's three judgments. Where would your third be? The sheep and the goat. I don't think the great white throne and the sheep and the goat are the same. And the only reason I say that because the sheep and the goat happens before the millennium because the ones that populate the millennium will be from the sheep and the goat. But I wouldn't, I don't know if I would see that as an actual judgment though, because judgments would be right before Christ. Yeah. I mean, if, if you want to say that, I'm just saying in a sense, it is a, I mean, cause he is separating those. I mean, the sheep are going here. Yeah, but he's already doing that right now. Yeah, I, I get that. I'm just saying there will be a particular I, well, moment where I think when you use the word judgment though, it's going to be before the throne. Um, Even the believers, the judgment seat of Christ. You talking about before the throne and the great white throne? I get you. I get what you're saying. That Both there's a the there's a physical yeah. gathering. Yeah, because this this is going to happen when he comes back to settle the kingdom here on earth. Yeah, you know, and that's going to be. But I guess even now, there's always been a separation of the sheep and the goat because there's always been a separation of the wheat and the tare. They grow up together. And then they come to, they True. come apart. So there is a judgment in place, but it's more of a natural consequence or uh, how's, how do um, help me out here, Hannah, you're smarter than me on these words. It's a natural sequence or a judgment where it's just, it's happening. It's happening as, even as we're talking, like for me, I know people get mad when I say this, and Jacob's got me in a whole lot of trouble over COVID before. <laughs> um, I usually take the rap for what Jacob says. Oh, I, I've yet to oh, figure out how on. this works. Hey, I just come to defend you sometimes, uh, and I get in trouble. All right, but uh, but like COVID itself, it was almost used as a separator. Yeah, it was. Mm -hmm. That's true. It was a separator. And I think God allows those separating moments to happen in the church to really show exactly, because yeah. even in theology— we teach there's the universal church, which is everybody who professes to be Christ, I mean Christian, and then the actual spiritual church, which is are those who are really born again. Yeah. And I think all throughout scriptures we see that where Ezekiel talks about a wheel within the wheel. And I think eventually the church itself shows that separation because not everybody who professes to be a Christian is a Christian. Yeah. We see that in Matthew 7. I mean, I guess we could say judgment starts because it starts in the house of God, and it could be yeah. he could have been judging the church at that time. So, and I think the wheat, the tare, the sheep, and the goat are in the house of God. Yeah, I think that's really what it yeah. is. It's between those who are fake and those who are real. That's true. Um, but for me, the reason I, the reason I, I'm, the reason I believe there's two, is those two judgment are a gathering before the throne. Yeah. 
it's not a he don't come down they come to him yeah and there's a gathering sure. and i'm and, just saying that in i'm seeing just three different distinct places in revelation that there's a separation that you got the judgment seat of christ when we're raptured up if you want to call it is people. the sheep and the goat found in revelation yes what verse um Matthew. I know it's in Matthew. It's in Matthew and uh, Revelation. Uh, I'm sure I've read it before, but I can't. 20, hold on. I got, I'll find it. Just give me a second. I believe you. And this. If you the, say it's right, Jacob, then. Uh, no, I mean. Revelation just, 22. I want to say it's Revelation. Yes, possibly. Uh, give me a second. I'll find it. 20, 22. I think it's um I think it's right It's right before the thousand year reign. Um It says Revelation twenty two when I looked it up, but I'd have to find it. Um <coughs> excuse me. Uh try well actually you can try twenty eleven through fifteen, maybe, but that would be the judgment seat of Christ. Yeah. So unless they're postulating that the judgment seat of Christ and the sheep of goats I don't think I don't think the judgment seat of Christ and the sheep and the goats are the same thing. So, <clears throat> not by any means. No. Um, let's see here, eleven through fifteen. And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it. For those whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were open. Another book was open, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were com- written in the book according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them, and they were judged every man according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of the fire. This is the second death. That's the second death, That's Hannah. That's the second death, yeah. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. But I, I don't see anything about sheep and goats there. I'll, I'll find it. Give me a second. <laughs> I'm waiting. <laughs> Tell me, Jacob. Uh, it's probably because I'm using ESV. Oh no no! Don't go there with me. Don't no! Don't you do that. I tell you what, we're gonna take a break. Oh, we do have a trivia answer winner. I got this too. Um, it is. Let me see here. Miss Joanna Dow got it correct. Thank you, Miss Joanna, for calling in and getting your name in for this two week drawing. And the answer to that trivia question: What future wife of David rode out to meet him on a donkey when she was pleading for her husband's life? Abigail. First Samuel twenty five twenty and Miss Joanna Dow got that again. So awesome. We're gonna take a break. We're gonna come back, talk a little bit more about this, figure out where the sheep and the goat are in Revelation. I'm challenging Jacob. Um I, I call challenge. I call challenge. How do we challenge? We need like a we like need a like button. a yeah, we need a button, a challenge button. Amen. We're gonna be right back here after the break on Mornings of Box Two Radio on the Box Two Radio Network. All right, we are back. We've been working on this whole question the whole time. All right, I've been getting texts. Now, Revelation 20, 11 through 15 would be the white throne of judgment, which is unbelievers. Revelation 20, verse 11 through 15 would be the white throne, the great white throne of judgment. Um, and this is where unbelievers are being judged. Yes. So we're agreeable on that, correct? The great, you're talking about at the end? Yeah. All right. The- and then... Romans fourteen ten through 12 is where he starts to say, saying before the judgment seat of Christ, which seems to be a different thing. Um, okay. Let's see. One said they think they've seen where Revelation 20, 11, 15, the great white throne is um, 
Matthew 25, 31 through no. 46. I don't think it is the sheep and the goat. But no. Jacob's now saying four and five, so that's what we've been looking at. Because, okay, we go back to Matthew 25, 31. Uh-huh. When it says, When the Son of Man shall come in his glory, and all the holy angels with him, and then he set upon the throne of glory, and before him shall be gathered all nations, and he shall separate them one from another. Okay, this is, this is where people are thinking that it's a great white throne, but it's not because this is him coming. Uh, this is when he comes back and sets up the kingdom, basically on earth. Yeah. And he shall separate them one from another as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goat. Then he shall set the sheep on his right, but the goats on the left. Okay. So you go back to Revelation um, 20. I mean, we could be wrong. I'm just, this is something I, we talked about for years. Larry has really, he's really more strong than I am, but. And he says, and I saw thrones and they sat upon them and judgment was given unto them. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus. Now, a lot of people would say that this um, is the the judgment seat. But if you go up before that, it says, and I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key of the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold of the dragon, the serpent, which is the devil and bound him a thousand. This is happening before the thousand year reign. And he cast him to the bottomless pit and shut him up. So this came afterwards on the thousand years um, before the thousand years so he's bound and satan up so there had to be something happening here when jesus comes down this is where we cross reference the sheep and the goat on matthew 25 is from revelation 20 because satan is bound during this thousand years and the it says those will be um that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God, and which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither had received a mock upon their foreheads. Because the mark would have been the mark of the beast, right? I mean, that's the only thing that I can understand. But, but see, if you look at that, though, all right, so chronologically we have where we're going to see the spiritual Magog and Gog happen, too, between this. Because between, when Satan is loosed again, there's a spiritual Magog and yeah. Gog battle. There's a natural Magog and yeah, Gog battle, battle of Armageddon, yeah. which would be the alliance from the north coming yeah. down. And they're going to come upon Israel. And they'll come upon Israel. And we're seeing that kind of already start to play out because you see this whole northern territory of Turkey, Ukraine, yeah. um, Russia, and all this. If Russia can get control of Ukraine and then they start to have that alliance with Iran, yeah. then you have a northern alliance that then can descend upon them and then they can partner with Palestine and Israel's coming in there. Then we actually do see a Magog and Gog in the natural sense. Then there'll be a yeah. Magog and Gog in the spiritual sense, somewhere between the time Satan's loose again for one more reign for a season. Yeah. and then he will be thrown in forever for the second death. That yes. That is a lake of fire. Yes. So we're agreeable there. Yes. There's going to be a judgment there. The great way. All right. So now if you go back to verse four and five, though, it looks like that the ones who are being judged here are the ones who have not bowed their knee because it said the rest of them who had bowed their knee died during the millennial. Yes. Say that again. Right. Oh. If you look at here, it's saying the ones who have not bowed their knees, the ones who have not taken the mark, one yeah, of yeah. all these, not worshiped the beast, not worshiped the beast, took all the right, mark. Yeah. Um, or in their hands, they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years, but the rest of the dead lived not, not again, again until, until the thousand, thousand years, years were finished. So, so, so that would be like. That's not talking about a separation. I'm sorry. That's not talking about a separation of the ones who did not. That's saying the ones who died before but are still Christ, Christians. Okay. The ones that 
to me, you think are the great multitude. Yeah, kind of. Does that make sense? I'm 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 going trying to read. But it the again. rest of the dead live not again. The ones who are bound to hell forevermore will not live again. Now they will not live in the sense that we will live spiritually. They're going to be judged and tormented. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. how I would see that verse. But I could be wrong because, again, I'm just really starting to dive into that thought process of three judgments because I've only ever heard of two. So I'm just trying to reconcile with the chronological line, line, timeline that I see in yeah. eschatology. Um, the dispensationalist. Um, yeah. yeah, see, so I'm looking for my errors in the timelines that I see playing out there. But I, I do think there has to be, and then this great this judgment seat of Christ and then the great white throne is what I... But I do think there is a, there is a constant judging and separation of the wheat and the, terror, oh, yeah, or the sheep yeah, and the goat. Yeah. Always constant. I believe there's always judgment. I mean, judgment and wrath are two separate things. But, I mean, even in... A, like we said, judgment starts in the house of God. and mm-hmm. But we're talking about another level of this separation. Is a, this is an intentional assembly to no other point than to judge. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I don't think this is going to be a quick thing. No. Could you imagine how long it's going to take to judge? <laughs> I mean, he could probably do it pretty quick, but, I mean, if we're thinking naturally, it'd probably take a while. I mean, it's a good thing a day is a thousand years and a thousand years is a day. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but that's where, okay, I'm not trying to get open to another Oh, category. gosh, okay, that made me think I, some more. No, I mean, I'm just sitting there thinking, if you're a millennialist already. If you're an amillennialist. Is an amillennialist? Yeah. Okay, an amillennialist. They already think this has already happened, and we're in the thousand-year reign, right? Yeah. Well, a millennials will think there's no such thing as millennial. Okay. So there is not a thousand-year reign. But what do they? What do they, they do with this? They're just we're just here. So what do they use with this? Is just symbolic? Look, I don't know what they use. <laughs> All right, <laughs> I'm just trying to figure it out because I'm like, how do you get away with reading these scriptures about what's they happening? They probably if, use a day as a thousand years and think one that, of they don't our even days use that. Years. No, uh, like it literally like. With a post, a po- okay. If you're post trip, if you're even a no rapturist, I can at least figure out what you're talking about. Like, if you just tell me, like, I believe the rapture and the second coming of Christ are distinctly different. I do not think they're the same event. The rapture is the catching away. The rapture is the catching away of the church. The second coming is the coming physically of Christ that we see in Revelation chapter one when he comes with eyes of fire, sword yeah. coming out of his mouth, ready to come on the Kidron Valley, and the blood's going to flow, and our men's going to it's going to be it's it's there. Yeah. Like that's a second physical coming of Christ. They always ask me. I forgot they do ask me. Do you so you believe Jesus is coming three times? I said no. I said he's only coming a second time. Yeah, I said the rapture being caught up is different. We're meeting him up there. Yeah, and I said that's different. He, it's it's just basically a call home. I mean, there's yep. going to be a sound of a trumpet, and let's go. And uh, the dead will rise in Christ first, and then we'll go up like in the twinkling of it. Would be so quick, we won't even. It's just like, Phew. and and see, but I do think that there is already a people that had been resurrected and called out before what you were saying, Revelation twenty verse four through five. Because I think there's going to be people that make it all the way through the millennial that never worshiped the beast, never yeah, did anything yeah. like I mean, that. I do agree with that. But then there's going to be people who are faith who did die during the millennial. Because as far as I understand, they're still going to be living and dying in the millennial. The, yeah. the, the, a lot, I've heard, I don't even want to say that because I can't back that up with scripture. I've just heard. <laughs> so, um, I mean, the, there's talks that people have said that the if you died during the millennial reign, then there was something you did or there's a curse that you had upon you. 
But if but if we read five right, but the rest of the dead lived not again until the ten the thousand years were finished, it doesn't really seem like there's a curse, or it just means that you may have died during that time. Because this doesn't now, this doesn't oh, insinuate to me they were bad people. But I'm just saying Christ like what, what I know what people say they would yeah. say that that their their eternal death will happen at the great white throne when they're tossed into the lake of fire. Now that could be wrong, but I'm just saying that's where a lot of people say that the the rest of the dead that lived not again until a thousand years were finished. I mean This is the first resurrection. Yeah. That's what it says. Afterwards, yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know. Right. We'd have to look more into this. Yeah. Um, but I guess to jump back so I wouldn't be rabbit jumping so much, how do they get the amillennialism? I don't really know. I can at least see what you're – I can at least understand what you're saying whenever you tell me that there is no rapture and there's a second coming. Do I agree with your premise? No. But I understand where you're coming from. But when you tell me that we're already living the millennial, Satan's already bound – then I just, I don't understand. Like, I don't understand where you're getting your question. Like, even if you tell me that... How would deliverance be possible if Satan was Well, you, you couldn't. Um, you have no need of it. But mm-hmm. but I do think, though, like, if you go back to AD 70 when the temple was destroyed in Nero, and you have all these things happening, in the, and what some people would say with the film of Matthew 24 and the Mount Olivia discourse, all right, so even if you put me there, what do you do with the book of Revelation? Because you can't tell me the book of Revelation was written in 60 or 70 AD because there's a ruler that's mentioned in the book of Revelation. It's not even a ruler until 90. So it has to be written somewhere around the early 90s. So why would the narrow fulfill everything in Matthew 7? I mean, in AD 70 from Matthew 24, if the book of Revelation still had to be fulfilled, then how do we just negate all of this and just pretend like AD 70 was fulfillment <laughs> of all things? And then if you leave that at that point, now you have a thousand year reigns turned into 2000 year reign. And, and you can't even justify the scripture of the days, a thousand years, a thousand years of a day, day. And plus, you cannot tell me that Satan's bound up right now. So amillennialism just doesn't work in any form, way, or fashion to me. I just can't. I can't. Like, there's no scriptural precedence. Even if you believe that AD 70 was a fulfillment of the Mount Olivia discourse in Matthew 24, and that was his coming, and he came on the clouds and glory, and the narrow did desecrate the temple and declare himself to be God, all these things. Even if you believe all that, the timeline still will not match up in the slightest. And so I just have a great problem with amillennialism. I have a great problem with no rapture theology, but I don't get bent out of shape about that. Like it's an open-handed issue. We can debate that when I'm caught up. I'll wave at you on the way up or something. <laughs> All right. Uh, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm not saying, I think, I think some people will be surprised by a rapture. Because I don't think believing the rapture is the way you get to heaven. So I think, um, um, like I think that I think some pe- I think some Christians are going to be surprised they're being raptured up. I didn't expect this. I didn't think it was going to happen. Awesome, um, <laughs> you know. But but I don't think that if you don't believe in a rapture, I don't think that's going to keep you out of heaven. All right. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. And so, but I'm going to have to look at this. This multiple judgment. Greg Carwell's probably itching to be here today. He said, I wish I was there today. Oh <laughs> Always. <it's, laughs> we need to get him on a Wednesday sometime. I wish I could be there on Thursday, but I can't. Um he would be he's a he would be the kid in the candy store right now. Uh this is this is his stuff. He likes talking about this kind of stuff for sure. But I'd have to look more in this judgments. I'm gonna look more into this. But uh, I'm gonna be honest with you, I'm probably not gonna look more into this till after the Harvest Crusade. Because <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. um 
We Maybe by next focused. Wednesday we'll be ready to talk a little bit more about it. But I it's going it's going to be on my list to hit more into because it is interesting. And uh, I know still a lot of people ask a lot of things about eschatology. And we don't claim to be experts in eschatology. Yeah. We've studied it quite a bit, but I'm no expert on it. But also, I'm never going to, I will never be one to give you a date. I'll never want to say on June 14th of 2663, he's coming back. I don't know that. All I know is the timeline the Bible presents for us. And there's seemingly looking like there's catching away. There's a second coming. There's a lot of things left to be fulfilled. Like, I know there's some things unraveling in the Middle East right now with some peace talks. They're still unraveling. Um, the Abraham Concords was on their way to a lot of things. Um, but I still think for the temple to be built on the Temple Mount, which is going to be significant, it's going to be built on the Temple Mount right next to the mosque. Uh, um, to the Dome of the Rock. And so you're going to have all these things playing out. You have to you have to strike a peace deal with the Arabs mm-hmm. and because they own they own the rights to that land. And for that temple to be built on that land, you're going to have to get them agreeable to it. And that's going to be a very difficult task. Now, the Abrahamic discord on uh, Concords that Trump was doing, he was on his way to with the Arabs to get some of this stuff done, but the, you still have to have the peace treaty done. Mm-hmm. You still have to um, have the third temple built because there does have to be a desecration. It's the Antichrist will have to have a temple that he can stand in and declare himself to be God. Now, I have heard they have prefabricated it everything. Is. It's, it's sitting in a warehouse. It's all ready to go. Um, the Red Heifer is involved in these, and there was another group of Red Heifers that were sent over to see if they have anything matching. But then you get it also this. You cannot negate the Magog and Gog. You, cannot, you, can't, denate, um, you can't negate this war What's that's permanent coming. Um, and we're... If you think the weather's crazy now, wait until it gets closer. And why is the weather really getting crazy? Because the earth itself is groaning, mm. waiting on the manifestation. The earth itself is groaning for redemption. And the weather's going to get more chaotic. Plagues, death, starvation. All these things we're not signing up for. All right? These are nothing that we want. But we need to prepare ourselves for things that could come in the future. Does that still our joy? By no means. Mm-mm. We still find joy in Christ. He's still the He's still the dad owns a cattle on a thousand hills. He's still the one that's ever seen his seed forsaken and begging for bread. He's the one that's going to protect. The Bible goes as far as even the hundred forty four thousand witnesses are going to be placed in us. He actually pauses everything. Mm-hmm. The Father pauses everything and says, "Don't do anything to the earth." He's telling the angels, "Don't do anything. Don't release another drop of wrath or judgment until I can mark my servants." That was the hundred forty four thousand. Yeah. But I believe, even supernaturally, that his his children are protected to an yeah. extent. We saw that in Egypt. We saw that with plagues. Now, does that mean we're not going to have martyrs? No. no. Um, but there is time. He does give times in between. For of repentance. rest. Of repentance, too. Yeah. There's a time of repentance there in this. And I think that in Revelation, I'm like, because of his goodness, because of who he is, even when he's pouring his wrath down, he's given a chance for yeah. those to repent. Um, well, I would say that's why he has seven seals, seven trumpets and seven bows because they're progressive. Yeah, mm-hmm. I and agree. People don't like that word. I'm not trying to use it in a liberal think, sense. Yeah, but because if it happened all at once, it doesn't get... There's no hope of redemption. There's no hope. And I think that, that that's not what he's... That's yeah. not what he's doing. And and for those who are really caught up in like left behind ideology and theology of it, you got to be really careful because oh, yeah. they almost that kind of pre-tribulation rapturist 
I'm not a pre-trip. I'm a mid-trip. I'm a, I'm a post, post-trip pre-wrath. Yeah, yeah. That's where I am. Because um, we're never exempt from tribulation, but we are exempt from wrath because we won't taste wrath because Jesus has already paid all of our wrath. Yeah. Um, but they want to teach that the Holy Spirit leaves the earth and you can't be born again. But that's completely... No. That's completely opposite of what Scripture because the says. the Holy Spirit would work like it did in the Old Testament. Yeah. Because the point of the 144,000 Jewish evangelists is so the Jews would come to salvation. Yes. And that's happening. Well, okay, so when you have the sixth seal to the seventh seal that's going to open up the first trumpet, you have a 30-minute break. In that 30-minute break in the Revelation, then you have this great multitude that appears in heaven. Yeah. I believe that great multitude is the church being raptured up. And I believe after that is right after that multitude is when you see the 144,000 getting marked and sealed because Roman tells us that when the age of the Gentiles has come to the fullness, then Israel is going to be saved, provoked under the jealousy. So if the church is raptured out, the Israelites will see that the church was being honest and they were taken out. And now the 144,000 Jews of angels are raised up to go be fiery evangelists to the Jewish nation that will come to jealousy again. It is. Hey, look, hey, They got taken it. We should have listened, you know, yeah. and they know who they know. They'll know a lot of them who study it. They'll know exactly what's happening. And I think you think them being marked because I'm thinking, they're thinking people are like, well, are they just going to preach to Israel? I said, no. I said, there's 144,000 to preach throughout the world. They're going to be the ones that actually know the word more than anybody because the ones uh, and then there'll be some Christians, I believe, that will probably have to go underground Um on the earth because in order to to live during this time i mean there'll be some that give their life for it but i believe it'll be it'll be chaos there'll be a lot of martyrs during this time more than any um but i mean and we never know what tomorrow holds not it it shouldn't be a fearful thing for christians no it really shouldn't but we should um have a fear of the lord and have a burden for the lost ones around us Yeah. yeah Revelation was never meant to be scary for the Christian, no. but it meant to be terrifying for the unbeliever. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And mm-hmm. I think as Christians, we the most important thing that we can do is prepare ourselves completely. Like let the Lord prepare us physically, mentally, yeah. spiritually, because, you know, we are very spoiled as Americans, especially. I mean, I don't really want to be, I don't want to be here during this time, but it would kind of be cool to see the witnesses, the two witnesses. You can stay if you want. I'm not. I'm not staying. I don't want to be here. As soon as I, I've told everybody, if I get to, if I can go pre-trib, I'm there. Sign me up for that train. But I'm just saying, the two witnesses and then the fire coming out of them, yeah, that'd be awesome. I still think the, um, now Greg's got an interesting approach on the two witnesses. Me and him's dialogued about this. I still don't think I'd. I've switched on those two witnesses so many times. Um, at first, you know, everybody thought it, it could was... could be three different things, I thought. Everybody thought mean. it was Elijah and Enoch at first. Yeah. But then it went to Elijah and Moses. Moses. And then it's two two people walking in the spirit. But I think... Guys. I personally think it's two people walking in the spirit of those yeah. guys. That's possible. Um, because Moses and Elijah would already have their immortal bodies. That's what I'm, that's what I'm seeing. And they're not going to have blood. But yet there's going to be blood coming out of these witnesses. Am I am I mistaken? Because they're going to be laying in the street as if dead. But if but if they're resurrected, right? I mean. But if you're resurrected. But I'm saying they're already in their in, immortal in their body. Heart, yeah. Because they've been to heaven. And you can't take blood into heaven. It's true. They've yeah, been taken I've heard up. some takes on this. It's kind of wild. I don't even want to talk about them. I feel uh, like it will be people. 
I think it'd be two I, people I, in the I'm spirit. I'm leaning more towards the people, but I, it does say that they'll have they they have to walk in that kind of a they're walking in the anointing, the, the anointing power of yeah, because but, it talks it explains about who the two witnesses. But were. John the Baptist came in the spirit of Elijah. That's true, and so like. It's that anointing. It's that mantle. It's that. It's it's who they were. The yeah. power, because these two witnesses are going to have power over the weather, the fire, and plague. And those are what Moses and Elijah had power over. Mm-hmm. Moses the plagues, and Elijah was the weather and the fire. Mm. So, <clears throat> interesting things. I had I'm, no idea we we're going to get all this today. Hey, <laughs> I need notes. Well, when you're doing it on the fly and you ain't got it all right there in front of you, it's hard because there's so many scriptures on. Yeah, we're going right off our heads. Um, and that's a scary place. Somehow we got from Old Testament Gentiles to the end. Jacob so, opened that can of worms trying that to answer Gentile. that question. I'm sorry if I've slaughtered that question for everybody. Uh, one listener said, occupy. We occupy till he comes. Amen. Um, I bet Greg Carwile is itching to be here this morning. <laughs> All right. This would be his wheelhouse right here. He'd be, he'd be loving it in here. All righty. Well, I guess one minute closing thoughts. I'm just ready to see God move. I mean, I, he's already moving, but I want to see an awakening so mad in this nation. I just, I'm seeing people are, are hungry. They're hungry and they're really looking for something real. And they're 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 looking to uh, right now. I believe there's a stirring that's happening in people's hearts right now. And I think some I've said this Sunday, and I say it again. It's time to jump in. It's time to jump in. Mm-hmm. Quit trying to be in the shallow end. You're not called to the shallow end. You're not called to just put a little bit of dab of Jesus on your life, and that's all you need. It's time to jump in all the way. Be engulfed by Jesus. Be engulfed by the flame of the fire of God. Amen. Amen. Yeah, and just don't miss what God is doing. That's what I want to say is just um, don't expect it to look a certain way because you will miss it. Mm-hmm. Um, and just get into the secret place. There's a song that says, whatever it looks like, whatever it sounds like, come Lord Jesus. And I think we just got to be in that place where we just says, come Lord, whatever you look like, whatever it sounds like, whatever you're moving in, whatever worship song whoever you're using it doesn't have to be us just let us be part of it be partakers of what you're doing god and if you want to use us as vessels so be it let us be obedient let us hear you let us be a vessel of honor and not a leaky vessel mm-hmm. amen and i just want to welcome you out tonight if you have nowhere to go or if you're just interested in learning more on spiritual warfare deliverance other things like that we love for you to come out and participate in the teaching tonight um, we've been doing just a couple of quick songs, but the beginning worshiping for a second, and then we've been firing right into it. Um, actually, I think they've been going like an hour and 20 hour and 15. Don't let that intimidate you though. Um, the guy that's doing it really boring. Um, but you know, it's, it's still, I think, um, I've been loving to do it. I don't know if anybody else is getting anything out of it, but I have been loving, um, studying and diving into it and it's been helping well, me a whole lot. A few come out. That don't usually so come I'm, out where we haven't come out i didn't realize that. <laughs> just kidding. no it has been good it's been good so hey, we want we're having some of those come out yep. too. <laughs> um, but we don't want to invite you we start at 6 30 on wednesday nights youth starts at five with fellowship and games and stuff like that so come on be a part of what god's doing out here if you don't if you have a local church go there worship um be supporting of what the local church that you're involved with and god's place you in is but we love you we'll be back tomorrow 7 a.m central time here on mornings of box two radio on the Box 2 Radio Network.